All right, it is time to think bigger, to pray bigger, and to believe bigger. And that's what we're challenging you to do through these 21 days of prayer. Thank you, Mike, for that video. <clears throat> and I do just want to encourage you. We're doing these 21 days of prayer and fasting here as a church. Hopefully you've been doing both those things, fasting from something and um, just making a deliberate effort to prayer. And I hope that you guys have signed up for our prayer texts. If you guys been getting those in the morning, we had a lot of people sign up next week. But if you miss that, you can use this QR code behind me or text the word prayer to 833-252-8618. And I know for some of you, getting those at 6 a.m. is so early. But maybe that's just God's nudge to wake you up, Okay. Wake up and pray, start your day outright. Um, these are just a great way for us as a church to be praying together and believing even bigger. So if you're newish to our church, um, we wanna get to know you. So I actually have a QR code behind me for this arisedenver.com slash new. You can go there as well. Please fill out this new form if you're joining online or in person and you're newish to our church. We actually give $5 to the Denver Rescue Mission for every single one of those new forms that gets filled out because we wanna get to know you and we wanna help you follow Jesus. That's our mission here. That's our mission. And by the way, my name's Matt Wolf, because if you're new, you don't know who I am. So now you know, um, my name's Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here. And then we have a special thing today. This is our second Sunday, and we're gonna try doing this every month now. On our second Sunday of the month, we're gonna have second Sunday start. So right after the service, if you're newish, just come to the front. Um, Katie, our connections director, and Pastor Sawyer are gonna be up here, and we would just love to, to connect with you, get to know you a little bit. This is a great chance to just find out a little bit more about our church for five minutes. You guys can stick around for five extra minutes, right? That'll be good. Um, well, today we are going to continue our God Size series for week two of God Size, week two, because we do wanna expand your mind. So last week, I really challenged you to think bigger, to pray bigger, to believe bigger, because you're not asking God for big enough stuff. And that was the challenge last week in a message called When God is Too Small. Today's message is called When God is Too Big, because I think for some of us, God is so big, and if he's the, the creator of the universe and he's out there, we can't see him, and there's eight billion people on the planet trying to talk to him, like, should I really bring this thing and pray about that thing? It, like, it, it seems like my thing is way too small for this big God. So I'm gonna challenge you guys today that, that maybe God is someone who cares about the small things. And nothing is too small, nothing is too insignificant for God. I think a lot of us have a false view of who God is. Last year, we hosted a conference here at our church. We're part of a movement of churches with about 1,600 churches around the country um, and uh, called Converge Worldwide. And in our region, we hosted our regional conference for, for Utah, Colorado, and Wyoming. So we had all sorts of church leaders from that region here in our building, which was really cool to host that. Some of you guys volunteered. Thank you for helping. And our, the, the main speaker at, at our regional conference was the president of Converge. He was a new incoming president, and his name is Dr. John Jenkins. And if you don't know who he is, he is the senior pastor of probably, I don't know, either the biggest or one of the biggest African-American churches in the entire country. Over 40,000 people in his church, and he leads this movement of churches, over 1,600 churches. He's one of the greatest preachers alive today, if you haven't heard him. Um, he's just an incredible preacher, and he preached a couple times, and then after the, his second session preaching um, at this conference, he came up and talked with me for a little bit. We were the host church, and he said, hey, can I get your contact info? I was like, oh, sure, yeah, you can have my contact card. Um, so I shared my contact card, and he's like, oh, and here's mine. And I was like, whoa, okay, here's this guy. He's pretty important, okay? He sits on boards for organizations that are real big, you know? He's the president of Converge, 640,000 people in his church look up to him as pastor. And I have his personal cell phone number now. So since last March, how many times do you think I've called and texted him? Big goose egg, right? 
because I'm like, I, I might have his personal cell phone number, but I don't want to bother him unless it's something really important, right? I, I want to have really thought through it before I just shoot him a text and say, hey, what's up, dude? Okay, I, it needs to be important. It needs to be significant. And I think that's the same view that most of us have of God. That he's big, he's important. I mean, there's wars going on right now. There's people in, in Gaza and Ukraine crying out to him in Burma. Okay, my little thing when I'm uh, standing in the, the line at Starbucks, like my little thing is not that big. And I think that's how we feel. My, my thing is too small. My thing is too insignificant for this big God. So I'm gonna challenge you to, today that yes, our God is big, he's huge. He can do the impossible. And yet he also cares about each one of us individually and wants to hear our small, seemingly insignificant prayers. I think this idea of, of God, I think it's bad theology, but it was portrayed pretty well in a movie a few years ago by Jim Carrey called Bruce Almighty. Do you remember this? Um, and Bruce Almighty, of course, Jim Carrey is, is playing God. And um, as he's playing God, he's like trying to listen to everybody's prayers and he's distracted and he, he can't quite organize it. So first he tries, you know, with a file system and there's files everywhere. Like there's too many prayers to handle. Then he tries sticky notes and they're over everything. And then finally he uh, is like, okay, maybe I'll just send it over email. Do you guys remember this scene? And there's millions and millions of emails coming in. And the more he answers, more emails keep piling up. I think that's how a lot of us think of God. Like he's too busy and like he can't handle all these different things. So my little thing isn't worth bothering God with. But that is false. That is not true. Our God cares. He loves us and he wants to have a relationship with us. So I'm gonna challenge you today. Actually, I'm gonna invite you into this relationship with God because nothing is too small. Nothing is too insignificant for our God. So, um, we are gonna learn about this from one story of the Bible that you might not know, or if you've read it, you might have like, what the heck was that about? Yeah, it's a very um, bad-ass story, if I'd say so myself. And you'll see what I'm talking about in a minute as we open up 2 Kings chapter six. So if you have your Bible, open with me to 2 Kings chapter six. We're gonna be in verses one through seven today. Um, and if you have uh, the, the Bible app on your phone, the YouVersion Bible app, go ahead and find the event and find a Rice Church Denver. You can save the, the scripture and the notes from today's message right there. Um, and, and we're gonna learn two points from this story and they're related. And the first one is this, very simple. Nothing is too big for God. Or I'm sorry, nothing is too small for God. I said it in reverse, okay? I'm glad you guys are paying attention. Nothing is too small for God. So you got that point one. Nothing is too small for God. Okay, so let's read in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. It says, The company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, the river, where each of us can get a pole, and let us build a place there for us to meet. And he said, Go. Okay, so what's going on in this story? So here is Elisha. This is not Elijah. A lot of us have heard of Elijah, the great prophet. Elisha was the guy who took over from Elijah. And Elisha had, had asked, hey, you know, Elijah had performed these great miracles, fire coming down from heaven. And he said, hey, could I have a double portion? And God gave it to him. So he actually performed some greater miracles in the Bible, some of the coolest miracles of the Old Testament that he performed. So he was like the head prophet, the head senior pastor, right? And here are these other prophets that kind of work for him. They're the, they're the associate pastors, and they're learning from him. That, that, and probably because there's all these people coming under Elisha, he's awesome performing these miracles. They're like, hey, there's too many of us. We can't meet in the same building we've been meeting. So we need to build a new building. 
Okay, this is a pretty simple thing, but this happens. It's probably gonna happen to Arise Church at some point that we're gonna outgrow this building, just giving you guys a heads up. So I'm gonna send you guys all down to the river to get some poles, right? Okay, no, maybe figuratively, that's what we're gonna do because together we're gonna have to, you know, build something even bigger. But that's what they're doing at this stage. They're building something bigger and they're going down to chop down some trees. Verse three, we continue the story. It says, then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. What a fascinating start to a story, right? Here's these group of dudes going to chop down some trees to build a building. Now they asked Elisha to go with them. And I don't think they asked him because he was like some great brawny, you know, woodsman, okay? Although he might've been very strong. Before he became a prophet, he was actually out plowing in the fields. Maybe you remember this story when Elijah called him to come follow. And, and so he was strong. He, he was a hard worker. But by this point, he's the head guy. He's the top dog. He's delegating to them <laughs> to do this work of building. Uh, the, this is their idea. They should be the one working, but he goes with them. And, and I point that out because in these stories, the prophet represents God. Prophet is the spokesperson for God, speaking on behalf of God. And Elisha, as the top main prophet, he represents God in this story. And we'll see this actually pretty clearly pretty soon. So these guys are saying, hey, we wanna build a new building. So we're just asking God to come with us, God to bless us in this endeavor of chopping down woods. We want him to be involved from the beginning. They're asking him to, to be involved with this project. And then in verse five, we continue reading. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron ax head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. Verse six, the man of God asked, well, where did it fall? What a riveting story. Okay, this is a page turner, right? You're like, what? These guys are chopping down trees and one of them has a bad ax, hence the bad ax story I told you guys, right? And the head flies off into the river. Has this happened to any of you if you've had an ax? You lost the ax head? So, I'm the only one who's had it happen? When I was in college, okay, maybe I saw one other hand. When I was in college, the ax head went the other way and went right into my leg, okay? Don't tell my parents, my dad's here, but he heard it anyways. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know what I was doing taking care of myself in college. It was bad, right? Because if you have a bad ax, like the, the head flies off, okay? What a dumb little story, okay? When we're talking about Elisha here, there are times where he takes a poisoned lake and turns it into fresh water so people can live. There are times where he multiplies food, okay? You thought just Jesus did that, Elisha did it first, okay? Elisha even brought back a boy from death, resurrected him. He turned a widow's oil when she was about to starve to death and made it multiply so she could survive, her and her family. Like the miracle after miracle, crazy cool miracles. And then we come to an ax head falling in the river. Why would God put that story in here? You know, there is no story and certainly no word of the Bible that's in here on accident. I want you guys to know this, okay? Every word of God is breathed out by him. The Holy Spirit carried along the authors of the scriptures to write down exactly what God wanted to convey to us. And if all scripture is God breathed, why would he tell us this story about an ax head falling in the river? It seems so small and insignificant. But look how this person responds. When the ax head falls in the river, he says, oh no, my Lord, oh no. This is just an exclamation. 
He says, it was borrowed. Does he ask Elisha to do anything? He doesn't. I find that so fascinating. It says, the man of God asks. And do you notice how it calls Elisha the man of God here? That's why I'm saying Elisha represents God. So here he is, he loses his ax head and he just exclaims, oh no! Maybe you could think of another word after oh that you might say after something like that, right? And so this is just an exclamation coming up out of him, right? He's upset, he's angry, he's crying out. And the person who represents God in this story says, hey, what can I do to help? Johnny Erickson Tata once said that there is nothing that moves a a loving father's soul quite like his child's cry. What I love about this is there's not even an ask here. There's just a, ah, there's a burden. There's an anguish, there's an anxiety, a worry. There's, there's something going on that he, he's like, oh no, what am I gonna, how am I gonna return this ax head? And he just cries out to God. You know, God is a loving father and he wants to help his children. I know this too, because my kids, you know, we're working on them to teach them to, to use their words, right? But, but a lot of times they get frustrated with something. Ah, ah, you can just hear them, right? And I'm like, okay, use your words to tell me what's going on. But I come over and I want to help them. Even just that exclamation, that cry brings me over to want to help them. Okay, and that's what God does for us because nothing is too small for God. Nothing is too small for him. He wants us to, to bring those, even when we don't know what to ask for, we're just like, oh no, God hears that and he cares. In fact, in Romans chapter eight, Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit inside of us, even if we have wordless groans, we don't even know what to say, God hears it. The Holy Spirit takes that from our heart to the very ear of our Father in heaven. And as a loving Father, he cares. He wants to help. So this means we can have those childlike prayers. Help, ah, oh, ah, that's a prayer. If it's directed up to God. If it's directed up to God. We can pray for very little things. You guys heard about Bobby, right? He's 10 year old Bobby. He was going with his dad to McDonald's. And on the way there, there was an accident up ahead and they heard the ambulance speeding by him. And, and as was his habit, Bobby's dad said, okay, let's stop and pray. So Bobby in the backseat says, God, please don't let that accident block our way to McDonald's. Cause isn't that what, what kids pray for? That kind of stuff, right? I want my cheeseburger. Okay, and we can have those kind of prayers with our Father in heaven. He cares about us enough to answer what seems to us as small prayers. In Colossians chapter one, verse 17, we read, Christ, God's son, was before all things and all things are held together by him. If, if Jesus is the one who holds all things together, this means that yes, he holds together gravity. So we have gravity that holds us to our planet so we don't float off in the outer space. He, he gives us, uh, you know, the strength in our bones, he sustains us. But, but if he does those things like with making the universe sustained, if he holds all those things, it includes all the small things too. The tiny things. It's not just big, gigantic things that God cares about. It's also the small things that are held together by Jesus. And that's why Jesus taught us to pray this way. Do you remember this in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 11? He taught us to pray, give us today our daily bread. What a small prayer. What a tiny prayer. For most of us, we have bread in, in our refrigerator. 
keep it in their refrigerator, maybe in the microwave. Who keeps their bread in the microwave? Okay, you got bread. Maybe you can just go to the store if you don't have any bread. It's not that big of a deal, but yet we're still taught to pray, give us today our daily bread. Such a simple thing that we need every single day. We need some food. And yet Jesus wants us to pray that. He also teaches us, get this, that our Father in heaven knows what we need before we ask. Have you ever thought about this? Then why do we pray? Well, it's for us to develop a relationship with our Father in heaven. He wants to communicate to us. He, this is an invitation. Hey, invite me into the small things. I want to be a part of your life. I care about you. I love you because I'm a loving father. I want to know the little things that are going on in your day. I want to talk with you about what food you're eating. Don't just come to me with the big stuff. Please come with those things. Those honor God. But even the small things honor God too. So bring your small prayers to God. J.P. Moreland Um, He's a professor at Biola, a a brilliant guy. He wrote a a book called, um, uh, I'll remember it in just a minute. Uh, uh, (laughs) It's about miracles. It's very good. Um, And he he wrote this book and he tells a little story about his daughters. He had two daughters and one day they came to him and said, dad, our basement is really big. We want a pool table. And he said, well, that's expensive. That's not in our budget. It's not going to happen, right? And he thought he would put that idea to rest. And they said, well, could we pray about it? And he's like, well, okay, well, he's a Christian professor. He's like, okay, fine, we can, we can do this. So they sat around in a circle, held hands, and each of the girls prayed. And then it was his turn to pray. And he, he wanted to make sure that he was very clear with God. He said, God, give us a free pool table that we don't have to pay for. And it needs to be a really nice one like they have at the sports bar, okay? Free pool table that was really nice, okay? So he kind of forgot about it. And, and his daughter, Allison, was on a, uh, a new baseball team. There were all new parents on there. He didn't know anybody on the team. And, and two weeks later, he was at one of the games. And one of the other dads who he had never talked to one time came over and started talking to him. And a couple minutes in after the, the small talk said, hey, do you want a pool table? So JP was like, what, what is going on? And, and the guy said, well, you know, I, I own a home and I was renting it out to four college guys and and they bought this really nice pool table from a sports bar and then they stopped paying rent so I had to evict them and now I got a pool table and I don't want it so JP was like why would you come to me there's all these parents you've never met me you don't know me from Adam why would you come to me and ask if I want this pool table and he said well you know I'm a follower of Jesus and I just felt the Holy Spirit tell me to go offer you this free pool table Isn't that amazing? Just a simple prayer for a pool table, God hears and answers. And you might think, well, why would God care about that kind of stuff? Well, Well, he figured out a little bit later. JP realized that their two girls were becoming teenagers and they wanted their teenagers and their friends to hang out at their house where it was safer. And they realized that having that pool table in the basement made that happen more and more, that their house became the cool place for the teenagers to hang out. So even though these girls, it seemed like a very small prayer that he didn't even want to pray, right? Turned out to something bigger that God used for his purposes. And that's what he does. So what small things are you asking God for? Are you inviting him into? Could you invite him into your home too? Okay, maybe you need a pool table. Start asking. A hot tub. I I could pray for a hot tub, right? 
because maybe God could use it. You know, here's a cool thing. This is a little plug for you. God can use your house, your couch for his kingdom. And I'm gonna challenge you because we need some people to step up to lead community groups, okay? So if you have a home, you have a couch, you have an apartment, maybe you don't, maybe you should start praying for that so God can use it. Maybe you can meet here at the church. We're actually, Katie and I, our, our new connections director, we're praying for 20 new leaders, 20 new leaders to lead community groups this year. And if you're like, whoa, that's a lot. Yes, it is. And if you're thinking, oh, somebody else is gonna feel led. I'm not sure about me. No, there's still not enough. We need 20, so we need you too, okay? So we need people and we have a little QR code. You can talk with Katie after the service as well, but fill this out. If you're like, hey, I could use my living room. I could use my couch, my front porch, or I have a computer or a phone. I can go online. I talked with an amazing couple that's been joining us every week online from New Jersey. Hello, if you're watching from New Jersey, we love you. Okay. And they want to be a part of an online group. So we need online community groups as well, because we all need community, don't we? So we're looking for 20 new people to step up. So maybe you're feeling led by God. And if you're like, well, Matt, I don't feel like I have a great living space. Start asking, right? Because maybe God can use those small prayers for something really big. Start asking. Start praying for God to show you where your keys are. <laughs> Anybody prayed that prayer? God, where are my lost keys? Okay, you can even pray that God would give you a top that matches your boots, okay? Why not? Involve him in the small things. Ask for those things because God cares. So our first point is that nothing is too small for God. And the second one is that nothing is too insignificant for God. Nothing is too insignificant. So look what happens next in our story. This ax head flies in. Elisha says, okay, where did the ax head fall? I didn't see where it splashed. And in verse six, it says, when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. <laughs> Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. End of story. <laughs> a miracle happens <laughs> with an ax head. It's so insignificant, right? I mean, it was probably a little more significant than today because there was like no Home Depot that he could just go run down and get a new ax head. He couldn't like go on Amazon, like, hey, can we get this overnighted? Okay, it wasn't like that. It would have been a little harder to get an ax head, but there's no other ax head stories in the entire Bible. Like this is not like a, a big deal. This is a small, insignificant deal to us. And yet God purposely included that in his scriptures for us. John Newton wrote a little ditty about this story. He says this, not one concern of ours is small if we belong to him. To teach us this, the Lord of all once made the iron to swim. Isn't that good? He's trying to teach us something important that nothing is too insignificant for God because he cares about us. He loves us. He's the father. He will help his kid find that hidden lost thing like I looked all over for some Legos yesterday, right? Because a dad will do that for their kid. And our father in heaven wants to do that for us. Nothing is too insignificant for, for him. Nothing's too insignificant. I have prayed, I can't tell you how many times where I've done a presentation, I'm like, God, make this projector work. Okay, right? When I was in school, God, make this paper print. Okay, I need this printer to work today. With those small prayers, why not ask God to, to, to do these things? It might seem insignificant to other people, but they're not to God. He cares. In Matthew 10, Jesus teaches us about how much God cares. Jesus says this, are not two sparrows, the smallest of birds, sold for a penny, the smallest of coins? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. 
and even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. God knows every hair on your head. He knows the hairs that aren't there anymore. The hairs that have turned gray and he cares about you. He loves you and he wants the best for you. John Wesley, the the great preacher once said that nothing is so small or insignificant in the sight of men as not to be an object of the care and providence of God before whom nothing is small that concerns the happiness of any of his creatures. Nothing is too insignificant for God. Nothing is too small for him. He cares. He cares about those little things. And I would say this, you might annoy other people with your little prayers, but you won't annoy God. <laughs> I know this because you've been in one of these community groups or prayer circles. And if you haven't, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about someday. Or maybe it's you. Um, and there's somebody who prays for things. They're like, my dog has sniffles. God, please heal my little doggy. I'm like, sniffles, again? Or they'll pray for their fathers, brothers, second cousin, first time removed, former roommates, you know, gout. And you're like, come on, right? You know what I'm talking about? There was a woman in our church growing up. I I loved her, we loved her, but man, every time, you know, we did this in the prayer service every week or in in the church service, there would be a time for prayer. Anybody could pray. You guys know what I'm talking about? There's a reason why we don't do that here, okay? But one woman, she capitalized on that time. Like, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, praying for this again? This little thing? But God has never thought that. Other people might think that. Me and my selfishness think that, but God doesn't think that. God loves our little prayers, our small things. The things that burden us, burden him because he loves us. So don't feel like you're, you're too, you're make, he's too busy for you. He, sure, he, he's handling wars and famines and earthquakes, but he also cares about the little things in your life. And our God is powerful enough and all knowing enough to handle it. He doesn't need a filing system or sticky notes. He he doesn't need a computer system. His brain is greater and more vast than we could ever imagine. He can handle our small things, our insignificant things. So take them to him. Bring the little things to him. And in order to teach you guys this, I came up (laughs) with a big idea that I think you guys are gonna remember because I'm putting it to a little ditty that those of you who are millennials will know exactly what I'm talking about. A little Blink 182. It goes like this. All the small things, God cares, God sees. Okay, Gen X, Gen Z, you're like, what is that song? Okay, 1999 that song came out, all right? Okay, so I want you guys to remember this. All the small things, God cares, God sees. So we're gonna sing it together. Can you guys sing that with me? I wanna hear you guys real loud here, okay? Ready, set. God, the small things, God cares, God sees. I think we need to do that again, okay? One more time. All the small things, God cares, God sees. Say it ain't so. Oh my gosh, oh, that was good. You guys are gonna remember that one, right? I hope so. I want this to stick in your head. So, So as you start your day in the morning, you invite God into it. As, as you go into the office, you're asking God, hey, what, what do you want me to see today? They can be an exclamation. It can be an ask. And sometimes it's just like, God, hey, this is kind of annoying me, my boss again. Just tell him, invite him into that situation. Ask him like, hey, God, what do you want me to do today? 
I'm unsure, or is there something new for me? And when you invite him into those little moments, those seemingly insignificant moments, it'll be amazing what God can do through you. And to illustrate this, there's a couple from our church, Matt and Molly Smith, they come to the early service and they are avid runners. And they actually had a film produced about them as runners. And it's really cool. It's a a film by another church in Englewood or here in town in Englewood called The Sacred Grace. And it's a really cool film. So we're gonna watch a clip of it. And if you wanna watch the full film, we have the link in the YouVersion Bible app today. So let's watch this little clip about Matt and Molly Smith. For me, running has always been a place of solace. I would say I came to running before I came to faith. It would focus me on just like, I need to go and get my head straight before I dive into anything else. And that was the place where I could do it because it was just me, my feet, and nature. Prayer is is not a practice that comes really easy for me. So just opening that space and that time just to stop and pray for a minute. And those are, to me, usually the best prayers that I have. It works to ground me and connect me spiritually in the morning. That personal discipline of intentionally leave things at the door, intentionally create just an open space where I can experience whatever God chooses to throw at me that morning. Now I ask that question a lot of times as I go out, I was like, what do you want me to see today, God? Like, what do you want me to notice? And I don't think I would do that if I were distracted in other ways. Relatively recently, Denver kind of became this haven for a lot of migrants. So they started using the rec centers to house a lot of these individuals. And a mile that way, there's a large rec center. So they closed it to allow that to have beds and places for people who were stepping off a bus with nothing but the clothes on their back. There was a group of individuals who were walking out of the rec center. They were refugees from Venezuela and just sort of look lost. They have no transportation either than their own two feet. So as a runner, to be able to stop and say in their language, welcome, do you need anything? I'm Molly, how can I help you? Here's where on your own two feet that you might find a place to plug into this neighborhood, a grocery store, a park, a playground. And that in and of itself is a pretty special thing. Isn't that pretty cool? They're inviting God into their everyday with running. Some of you are like, I'm not a runner, Matt. That's okay. But how could you invite God at the beginning of your day, throughout your day? Paul teaches us to pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean we have to be on our knees all the time. We can't. You gotta live your life, but you can talk with him all the time. Just invite him into those little things, those insignificant things, because nothing is too small for God. Nothing is too insignificant. All the small things God sees, God cares. So it's my challenge to you. And just like there's this miracle here in the Old Testament, one that maybe you've never heard before about Elisha and and the bad acts, Jesus had some pretty small miracles too. Have you ever thought about this? His first miracle when he turns water into wine. It's crazy because it's mind blowing, but really it was to make the party last a little longer. Okay, right? It's like, we wanna have fun longer, Jesus help us. And he does. There's another time where his disciples were frustrated and angry. They didn't even ask him for anything. They had finished fishing and he's like, let's go back out. And they caught the biggest catch they'd ever had. He came into their workplace to help them catch more fish. There's another time where Peter didn't wanna pay his taxes. You ever been there? And Jesus says, hey, don't worry about it. Go catch a fish, look in its mouth and boom, there are two coins, pay your taxes and mine. And that's what happened. These little miracles, right? Why are those in there? because God cares. He sees what we're going through in our life and he loves us and wants to answer those prayers so we can bring them to him. And even more than those small miracles, there's the huge miracle at the end where Jesus died on the cross, right? For our sins. 
And then three days later, he rose from the dead, the greatest miracle of all time. Well, why does that matter? Because if God can do that, he can do the little things. And seriously, that's what Paul teaches us in Romans 8.32. It says, God did not keep his own son, but he gave him up for us. If God did this, won't he freely give us everything else? If God will give his son, he can give those small things, the little things that, that are a little burden to you. Other people might be like, you gotta ask God for bigger stuff. No, 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 ask God for the small things. Invite him into the small things because he wants to come through in relationship. That's what God really wants with you is relationship. He cares about you. And that's why this message last week was a challenge, right? I challenge you to pray bigger. Pray for something that seems impossible to you. This week is an invitation. Just have a relationship with God. Talk with him. Your loving father wants to hear what's on your mind. He wants to hear the uhs and the uh and the oh no. He wants those. He wants every little thing because he loves you and cares about you and wants to come through in some big ways, even in the small things. So all the small things, God cares, God sees. Let's pray. Lord God, I'm just so grateful that you do care about us, that you see us, that you love us, that you give us a crazy story about an ax head falling in the river and then floating to the top, breaking the laws of physics to teach us this important truth, that there's nothing too small for you, nothing too insignificant, you care. Wow, thank you for loving us that way. And with eyes closed, I wanna tell that some of you in here or that are listening to my voice don't really have that kind of relationship with your Father in heaven. And the way you can have that restored, great, loving relationship is through God's Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for you to forgive you of your sins, to restore your relationship with Him so that you can talk to Him about everything. But in order to have that relationship, you have to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So I'm gonna give you the opportunity right now to say a simple prayer, repeating after me to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you're already a follower of Jesus, say this prayer out loud to give courage to somebody around you who needs to pray this for the first time. So please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Save me. Forgive me. In faith I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your Spirit. Give me the gift of eternal life. Restore our relationship. Help me to follow you and talk to you for the rest of my life. Now with eyes closed, we wanna celebrate with you if you made that decision today, if you said that prayer for the first time, and we have a little book that we wanna give you to encourage you in your next few steps of faith. So if you made that decision for the first time, if you prayed that prayer out loud and meant it, Raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Put your hand high up in the air. I see one hand over here and a few hands over here as well. Keep those hands up. Let's celebrate with those who made the decision. Lord God, we, Lord God, we are just so grateful that you love us, that you care about us, that you want a restored relationship with us, that you invite us into this, this newfound freedom to talk to you. God, you are big, you are huge. You created the universe. You perform miracles, and yet you also care about every single one of us. You know the hairs on our head. You know us by name, and you want to talk to us. Wow, what a privilege we have. And Lord God, I just pray that 
through that relationship, we could grow as we continue to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, all right. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. I'm Matt Wolf, lead pastor at Arise Church Denver, and we're all about helping people follow Jesus, and we wanna help you follow Jesus. Because of that, if you're newish, even if you're just checking us out online, go down below in the description and fill out that form at arisedenver.com new. And if this message has impacted you at all, please go to arisedenver.com give so that you can give back and help more people find out the message of Jesus Christ.